There is nothing to be feared from a body, Harry, any more than there is anything to be feared from the darkness. It is the unknown we fear when we look upon death and darkness. Nothing more, Dumbledore. I am a multidimensional fractal of consciousness, currently expressing as a human being in the most authentic way that we can imagine. Welcome to Mental Magic. Hi loves, this is Chris, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about shadow work as I have finally stepped into my identity as a conscious shadow worker. So I'm really excited to dig into this topic and explain to you what I mean when I say shadow work and shadow worker and how I have come to realize that I have been playing as an unconscious shadow worker for basically my entire life. So right away, what do I mean when I say shadow work? What I mean is the aspects of ourself that we are not conscious of, the aspects of ourself that we have oppressed and repressed, rejected and exiled, those aspects of our identity, of our consciousness, of our beingness that we don't identify with or as, those aspects of ourselves that we project onto other people outside of us, the ways in which we judge others because we have not been able to identify that we are also resonating with an aspect of ourselves that we are not conscious that is actually playing out inside of us. So in this episode, I want to give you a glimpse into what shadow work looks like for me, how I work with my shadow self. And when I say shadow, I don't always mean bad or evil or violent or destructive. Yes, there are evil, violent, destructive shadow aspects of our consciousness living inside of us. And I definitely work with that energy, but I also mean the light aspects of ourself, the saintly aspects of ourself, the angelic aspects of ourself, any energy that we have projected outside of us, whether we have projected them to be demons or angels or anywhere in between from elementals to alien consciousnesses, all of that is existing within our internal system in my reality. And because all of that energy, all of that consciousness exists within me, I had to come to terms with the fact that any amount of evil and violence, chaos and destruction that I could perceive outside of me, that I could bear witness to and hold in my consciousness was an aspect of my internal reality that I had not yet integrated, reconciled or faced to bring into the wholeness of who who I am and who I believe I am. Now, does that mean that I take responsibility for all of the atrocities that are happening on the external plane? Absolutely not. What it does mean is that I do take responsibility for my system, for my body, my mentality, everything that is within my realm of being. And I know that when it comes to observing external shadow aspects of reality, the best place for me to address it is inside of the house. Because in my worldview, you do not perceive what you are not. You do not receive what you are not. You attract what you are and you consume who you are. 
Therefore, when I say that there are light shadows as well as dark shadows, one of the most recent and best examples of a light shadow that I can remember becoming conscious of was Beyonce's music video movie art piece called Black is King, where she basically redid The Lion King through the lens of celebrating Black divinity and the spirituality of our Native African ancestors, as well as connecting the story of humanity to the stars and astrology and the light beings that many of us believe that we are. And watching that artwork, watching that piece of channeled brilliance literally put me in the fetal position crying my eyes out as I recognized and remembered that that the message that Beyonce was trying to convey was true of me and was true of an aspect of myself that I didn't identify as and that I could barely even recognize. But when I saw the way that she portrayed blackness and when I saw the way that she portrayed humanity and parenting and society and our connection to our ancestors and our connection to the earth, and I felt the energy of what she was bringing into form I could not help but recognize a lost piece of myself on the screen in front of me. Because not many years before I was born, the society that I was born into literally hated people with my skin color, literally thought we were less than human, treated us as though we were property. And so the programming that I received as the descendant of slaves and slave owners and native peoples who were massacred and exiled from their own land, the programming that I received was built to help me survive in this reality, but it was centered around my needing to stay small, my needing to be perfect, my needing to work twice as hard as everyone else to prove that I was just as good and just as worthy. My internal programming around my blackness was never connected to beauty. It was always connected to the comparison of what the beauty standard was in the society that I was raised in. So when I saw Beyonce celebrating blackness and celebrating our ancestors and where we came from, it struck a deeper chord in me than I could even realize in the moment. And so my body just convulsed into a puddle of tears, but it illuminated an aspect of my soul, an aspect of my consciousness that had been pushed into the shadows because I didn't feel as though I could believe that I was everything that she was singing about. And another aspect of it is at the time that that movie came out, I had already done a lot of work around my blackness and the programming that I received. 
But when I was watching it and watching it through the lens of a child and through the lens of my inner child, and when I realized that kids today were able to consume this art and receive this kind of messaging and to receive this kind of programming about their blackness and about who they were and about their connection to their past, I wept because it was everything that I could have ever dreamed my younger self could receive in messaging from the external reality. And so the easiest way that I have been able to explain shadow work to other people without telling the stories of other people in my life is through artwork, through artistry, through the media that I have been fed my entire life. I was raised in front of the TV growing up. I was raised by the Disney Channel and all things popular in R&B and pop music in the late 90s and early 2000s. I was a 90s kid. Like I lived for that whole generation and genre of media. And the content that I consumed helped me process a lot of my internal reality. As I said before, I spent a fair amount of time alone as a kid. And a lot of that time I was doing a ton of internal work and internal processing without obviously consciously knowing what I was doing. It's just my nature has always been as an internal person questioning reality and then finding responses based on my internal system and my connection to my external world. So while I had interesting mirrors and messaging coming at me around what was acceptable, around what was valuable, around what was beautiful, I also received a ton of messaging that was centered on being good and being moral and being right and being in the light. Of course, growing up in a Christian framework, the whole idea is to focus on Jesus and to focus on all all the ways that you can become a better person, but always with this lingering, nagging, quote unquote, truth dangling over your head, reminding you that you were always still but a sinner. And in my taking what I was told to heart, that I was a sinner waiting for my salvation, I was also acutely aware of the ways in which my external reality and then my internal reality began to become imbalanced. And it began to seem that the world I was living in while preaching about the light and asking for everyone to express as a light being we didn't have a whole hell of a lot of space to hold for our darkness, for our shadow aspects, for the aspects of ourself that were dangerous and violent and chaotic and destructive. There wasn't many people who were able to hold that space without being pushed to the margins of our society. And so because I was someone who could see the darkness and the light, and I could see, and of course, all of this was not done consciously when I was a kid or when I was growing up, honestly, in my awakening, I'm so 
sick of saying awakening because it sounds so pretentious, but language fails me here. I don't know what else to call it. So it was in my awakening where I put all these puzzle pieces together and realized what I've been doing my entire life. So as a kid and then into my teenage years, I was able to see the ways that the shadow and the darkness was still very much present in the world that I was growing up in, but it was very much hidden. It was very much repressed. It was very much something that we didn't talk about. And for me, it didn't really come into my clear view that that is what was happening until a very interesting shadow wizard stepped onto the main stage of pop culture and made waves that are still having an impact in my reality today. And of course, for anybody who knows me, this will be no surprise, but For me, the original and most prolific shadow worker that I resonated with outside of biblical characters was Eminem. And so I didn't become aware of Marshall Mathers turned Eminem, turned Slim Shady, turned all of the other different characters that he's played throughout the course of his career. I didn't become aware of him until I was around 12 years old because there was this group of guys in my sixth grade class who were completely obsessed with him. And so they proceeded to bleach their hair blonde, wear the Slim Shady get up, and just completely changed the entire external aesthetic of how they express themselves. And so when I just got curious about it and was just like, what the fuck got into these guys? I discovered who Slim Shady was. And of course, I wasn't allowed to listen to his music, but he was on MTV. And and so he came into my consciousness. And of course, when he first came out, he was literally shitting on everything and everyone I loved. Like I loved the Backstreet Boys. I loved Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and all of the pop princess Disney kids and all of it. And so when he comes out basically railing against all of them, I was just like, who in the actual fuck and why, why am I attracted to whatever the fuck it is he's doing? And of course, I will always be the first person to say I do not condone a lot of the violent, chaotic, abusive shit that he says. Don't sign off on it. Don't co-sign it. But I also knew and I also know that what he was doing was such a rare gift for our society because he literally was handing himself to be slaughtered on a platter as an eternal scapegoat for all of the shadow projections, all of the things that we want to say is wrong with our society. He exposed himself and he offered himself to be that sacrificial lamb for the worst aspects of our consciousness, for the aspects of ourself that couldn't talk about homophobia, that couldn't talk about about racism, that couldn't talk about classism, that couldn't talk about oppression and murder and violence and all of the scary shit that good people don't talk about. Good people wouldn't even think about those things. But if any of us are being honest, 
none of us are blameless. If there's one thing I learned in the church is that whatever you're going to name as sin, we all do things that are out of alignment with who we believe we are and who we want to be. But when we cast those aspects of ourselves into the shadow realms of our consciousness, when we condemn all of those shadowy figures and shadowy energies inside of ourselves into the hell realms, and when we project all of that shit onto external people based on what they say, do, feel, think, dress like, act like, whatever, we are denying ourselves the opportunity to recognize that we have just as much power to bring lightness to the darkness when we are able to hold in our consciousness the fact that the darkness exists in us too. If there are any external enemies, the first enemy lies within the heart of hearts, lies within the self. As I said before, I don't believe that I have the ability to bear witness to anything that does not first reside within me. And so in waking up to the fact that I have always been someone who has been utterly fascinated, entertained, and engaged with the core beliefs and aspects of the reality that I have been engaged in, the core society, the good guys, the light team, the saints, the angels, the ones who are good people who go to church and help other people and do all of all of the things that are deemed as quote unquote good in our society. I know how to play that character and I know how to play that character very well. And I have always in my spare time, in my leisurely time, in my time alone inside of myself, I've always been fascinated, entertained, and actively engaged in the marginalized communities, the communities that have been cast out, the communities that have been on the outskirts, the communities that have been orbiting the inner core good guys. So for me, eventually, once I stopped hating Eminem because I didn't understand what he was doing and actually started listening to the music that wasn't just pure rage spilling out of his mouth and listening to the ways in which he talked about himself and the ways that he talked about his own inner demons, that is when I truly began to recognize myself in the work that he was doing and recognize that the ways in which he demonized himself, the ways in which he hated himself, the ways in which he self-sabotaged and self-abandoned, all resonated with how I was treating myself, how I was engaging with my own internal reality. And once I recognized that, holy fucking shit, there is a slim shady that lives inside of me too, I knew in that moment I had found someone who could at least help give language to something that I didn't even have language for. And so I turned to Eminem's work. I turned to his music whenever I found myself in those internal hell realms. And I needed to feel as though I wasn't in it alone. He gave me solace in hell. 
And I am eternally grateful for that aspect of his work. Because as wild as it sounds, Eminem's recovery album that he released in 2010 was honestly the reason I went back to church. It was the reason I rededicated myself back to Jesus Christ, because listening to that recovery album spoke to so many of the different aspects of my inner consciousness and the journey that I was on. Because at that time, I started to feel lost in my own reality. I started to feel like I was losing my grip on my identity. I mean, his songs, Talking to Myself, Going Through Changes, 25 to Life, and Almost Famous, they put language to how I was feeling about how I was engaging with my own external life as well as my internal reality. And it felt as though I was going through a huge transition moment not knowing what was coming next, but knowing that this seemed to be a signpost signaling that another change of character was coming, that I was going to soon die to who I was playing at that time and become someone new. And who knew I was going to become a born-again, rededicated Christian, but, you know, God does have a sense of humor. So... <laughs> I rededicated myself and, I mean, I have a giant tattoo dedicated to that recovery album intertwined with a bunch of the CCM, is it contemporary Christian music artists that I loved at the time. And it's all jumbled into this one tattoo that exemplifies my journey back into Christianity as well as my journey back out of it. And so I say all of that to say that there are ways in which we can do shadow work with the material that we are already given from our external reality. We can use the work that artists have poured their hearts into, that artists have channeled so many different beautiful energies in and through their systems as an offering for us to be able to maybe resonate and see ourselves in the work that they do so that we can take in and internalize that information to help us along our own journeys. So in recognizing that shadow characters, shadow wizards outside of me were not only revealing light aspects of my shadow self and dark aspects of my shadow self, but that there was always this invitation for me to journey into the wilderness of my own internal system and consciously seek out shadows, shadow versions of myself, and invite them home into the internal dwelling place that I call my core self, my core identity, my higher self, the version of myself that is connected to source or to God or to Jesus or whoever you think the ultimate all-knowing I am is. And so in awakening to my desire to be a shadow worker, to be someone who invites shadow aspects of myself back home 
into the core of myself, back close to the internal flame that is keeping me anchored on earth and keeping me alive in this reality, in this game, if you will, I decided to follow in the footsteps of another brilliant shadow wizard who doesn't get enough credit for the amount of shadowy shit that he did. And the he that I'm talking about this time is, of course, none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus intentionally went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, or so the Bible says, and encountered Satan, spoke with Satan. He didn't fight Satan. He didn't have any kind of violence or malice or judgment or hatred for Satan in his conversation with Satan. He merely had a conversation. He responded to the invitations, to the provocations, to the declarations that the devil presented him with in materialism, in powers, in all of the ways that he was tempted by the devil. In my interpretation of that story, and this has always been true since I was a child, I recognize this even though I never really heard it said this way, but it's how I've always interpreted this story, is that if Jesus is in the wilderness alone talking to the devil, he's talking to himself. The devil lives within him. And I always interpreted it to mean that Jesus was conscious of the fact that the devil lived within him. And in essentially telling the devil who he was, asserting his identity as the son of God or the son of man and claiming who he wanted to be, proclaiming who he wanted to be to the internal devil, the internal Satan voice that was coming from his internal being, that was coming from inside of himself. We don't hear again of him talking to the devil except in his external frame when he tells one of his disciples to get behind him because he recognizes the devil consciousness of himself in one of his disciples and asks that devil aspect of himself to stand behind him. He doesn't reject him. He doesn't exile him. He is not violent against him. He is not fighting the devil. He just asks the devil to stand behind him. You can stand in your place in the wholeness of who I am, but not driving the car of who I am. Jesus had a clear sight, a clear mind, a clear connection to his identity as the son of God, right? He understood that he was here on a completely different trip. He was here to bring some kind of consciousness to humanity, to bring a message of internal awakening. Again, my opinion, my interpretation, but to bring an internal awakening of our united connection to the divine, to the sacred, to the light of consciousness. And in his relationship with the devil inside of him, with the villain, Lucifer, Satan character inside of him. He asserted who he was. He allowed himself first to become aware that the shadow aspect of himself existed within him. 
he then accepted that that shadow aspect of himself existed within him. And acceptance looks like nonviolence. Acceptance looks like acknowledging the existence of an aspect of your consciousness, acknowledging that this type of energy exists. And then he showed up while being sarcastic, while being contradictory, responding to the devil by contradicting whatever the devil was saying and proclaiming that his power and authority came from a different source rather than from what some have interpreted as the ego mind or the small self or the false self. So in doing my own conscious shadow work, consciously going out into the wilderness and intending to meet shadow versions of myself, intending to meet my own demons without dancing with them, without allowing them to take hold of me and navigate how I interacted with my external world and my internal world, going back into the wilderness, back into the hell realms identified as the love that I know that I am, identified as the conscious being who actually wants to be alive, who actually wants to stay alive on earth for however long I'm going to be here, going back out into those realms and communing with my shadow self, essentially holding a shadow council meeting inside the wilderness of my internal reality. And now when I first started doing shadow work, especially consciously um, about three years ago, I absolutely had to do it with external, beautiful, miracle energy workers and therapists who were able to hold that light of knowledge of love and grace and compassion for me as I delved back into those places because I most certainly was not strong enough or able to hold that light for myself. And as I learned different tips and tricks and got different tools for how to navigate engaging with shadowy shit inside of myself and not only my own shadow shit like the shadowy shit that I had to encounter was the the version of me that wanted me dead the version of me that was constantly criticizing me and judging me the version of me that hated my fucking guts the version of me that thought I was an idiot the version of me that thought I was a hideous monster like all of these different shadow aspects of myself that I became conscious of I was able to re-engage with them with another external person, but also I found shadows inside of myself that weren't directly connected to my life story, but they were connected to the life story of my mother and of my father and of my grandparents and of my ancestors. And so that's what I meant when I said I went back and did some shadow work around slavery and slave ownership because I have blood from both of those lines of history running through my veins. I was able to do ancestral shadow work in my own internal realms with the tools that I have learned from beautiful external teachers that have taught me a lot of what I know. And now with anything that I've learned from my external teachers on how to work and navigate and deal with my internal world, I usually tweak the tools and alter them in such a way so that they fit and work for me. And so I encourage you as always to do the same. Again, this will be my disclaimer that I say in every fucking episode. 
Take what resonates, leave the rest. If something I say is helpful, awesome. You are more than welcome to just take it. It's yours. If everything I'm saying is not resonating with you or if I'm making you angry or if this isn't something that you want to listen to, you're not obligated to do so. You are free to turn off the podcast. It is your decision to do what you want with your time in your own space, in your own energy. But for me, as I began to consciously do this deep shadow work with these beautiful therapists, and initially I was doing it so often because I was in such a critical place where I was still wanting to end my own life in 2019. So of course we had to really do like emergency triage shadow council meetings. But eventually I got to a place where I actually started believing that I could be connected to love and I could be connected to lighter aspects of my consciousness and that maybe there was aspects of myself that wanted me to stay alive. And as I grew stronger in my own identity as a conscious living being. Once I began to accept that I existed because I wanted to exist, then I was able to begin to do shadow work by myself. And in doing shadow work by myself, I employed some of the same techniques that I learned from Jesus, some of the techniques that I learned from my therapists, and some techniques that I found that just work for me. And so for me, the first step always is awareness. The first step in any kind of internal belief work where you want to change or alter some programming that you have inside of yourself is always first becoming aware of the thing that you want to change always becoming aware of the shadow that you want to address and allowing that shadow to present itself, allowing that shadow to make itself known to you. So when you venture into the wilderness of your consciousness, when you venture outside of your internal dwelling place and go into those dark places or even going into some of the dark rooms of your internal dwelling place that you have sealed shut with a red X across it so that you don't engage with those aspects of yourself, when you open those doors and wander into those rooms or venture out into the wilderness, you get the opportunity to encounter lost pieces of yourself. But the thing with shadow versions of ourself is that they're pretty skittish. For anybody who's seen the movie Encanto, Bruno is the representation of the shadow. And he's literally living within the walls of the family. And so in order to begin this work of calling your shadows home back into the warmth of the family unit, of the internal family unit, you have to talk about Bruno. You have to remember that Bruno exists. You have to meet with your shadow, the devil, the violent narcissist, the aspect of yourself that is completely out of touch with the reality that you're currently living in. And listen to that version of yourself. Listen to their excuses. Listen to their story. Listen to the reason they became who they became. And accept the fact that they exist. 
I think so many times we run into shadow aspects of ourselves, usually presented to ourselves in our external world, and it gives us a an opportunity to just place blame or to project our shadow onto the other. But when we are able to bring that information into our system and understand that this aspect exists within us, for me to perceive external narcissists, I have to recognize that there is a narcissist who lives inside of me and who has actually acted as me, usually from an unconscious place. When we act out our shadowy personality traits, our shadowy aspects of ourselves. we're usually doing it unconsciously, but even in our unconscious actions, our shadows, when they are not integrated or connected to the light of who we believe we are, they tend to be destructive. They tend to be toxic. They tend to be really chaotic. So when I am able to become aware and then accept that the shadow exists while knowing who I am and who I believe I am is someone who is connected to love, someone who is connected to the light of consciousness, someone who wants to be alive. When I am able to bring that information to the shadow aspect of myself and listen to who they believe they are, why they do what they do, and how they have been navigating their interaction with the external world, whenever they're given the opportunity to do so, whenever you're triggered or you are placed in a situation or an environment that reminds you of a past trauma or reminds you of a past wounding or something that you did or said that was hurtful or harmful, it's usually the shadow aspect of ourself that is making itself known to us, whether we have the ability to become conscious of it or not. And so when you show up for this version of yourself, as the love that you are, you will quickly begin to recognize yourself in the shadowy version of yourself because you will realize that this version of yourself was created when you were seven years old, when you were five years old, when you were 16 years old. One of my shadow aspects that I got to meet, that I got to reintroduce myself to in doing this work was a seven-year-old version of myself who misspelled the word olive in a school spelling bee. And since that moment, after misspelling that easy word, I went into such a shame spiral. I went into such a dark place of railing on myself, of calling myself an idiot, of believing that I was the stupidest person to ever live on planet earth, that from that moment on, I went on a fucking crusade to prove to the world that I was intelligent, that I was smart, that I could actually comprehend concepts, that I could learn and and be the best student. And so literally, that's what I did for the next 25 plus years. After that moment, I made sure that I never again made a complete idiot of myself in an academic setting. 
And so I became a straight A student. I became a teacher's pet. I became one of the hardest workers at all of my jobs in order to prove that I was smart, in order to prove that I was capable. So when I met this seven-year-old version of myself that was donning this black cloak and basically constantly repeating to me how stupid I was, how much of an idiot I was, and I got to hear her story and remember what happened to her, I got to tell her, like, my love, we are 31 years old. We know how to spell the word olive, O-L-I-V-E. We no longer have anything to prove to anyone. And I was able to rattle off to her all of my fucking academic and professional accomplishments. And then I was able to tell her, you are free. You are no longer required to hold this job of telling me that I'm an idiot, of telling me that I need to prove that I'm smart so that people will take me seriously, so that people will not think that I'm dumb. You no longer have to do that for me. I am so grateful that you did because, I mean, look at how much work we got done. Look at how much we've accomplished. But I no longer believe that I'm stupid. I no longer believe that I need to prove that I'm smart to anyone. And so you no longer have to play this character for me. So by showing up for this seven-year-old version of myself with love and gratitude for her existence, I was able to help us release all of the dense program around our belief that we were stupid, that we were an idiot, that we needed to prove something to the external world about our ability to process and remember information. And in releasing all of that dense programming, all of those lies, all of those limiting beliefs, I was able to actually bring healing to that version of myself, allow myself to remember who I actually was when I was seven years old, and invite that seven-year-old to come back home, to come back home in joy, to come back home as the prodigal child where there is no condemnation. There is no shame. There is no guilt. I don't care how long any version of myself has been out in the woods, has been living in the wilderness as a lunatic waving their wand, looking for salvation, redemption, and absolution from the hell realms that they're living in. For any shadow aspect of my internal self to exist, I know that underneath the cloak, underneath the daggers, underneath the self-sabotage, self-abandonment, and murderous, violent ways of my internal realms, I know that there is a version of myself who believes that she's protecting me, who believes that she is keeping away bad people, who believes that she is doing what's best for us to continue our existence in alignment with who she believes we are. Because former versions of myself genuinely believed that I was unworthy, that I was unlovable, that I was evil, that I, you know, all of the shitty things that we believe about ourselves, whether they were programmed into us from our external world or we received that messaging 
from the media or from some other external frame, when we internalize those beliefs, they become our beliefs. And then we begin to repeat those beliefs to ourselves in order to remind ourselves of these quote unquote truths. But when you start to wake up and recognize that there are alternative ways to believe, other ways to see yourself, other ways to treat yourself, when you start to wake up and realize that maybe you can start to learn how to love yourself, maybe you can bring salvation to your internal system, and maybe, just maybe, you can learn how to open up to all of who you have ever been, all of who you are, and all of who you are going to be in the future and bring forgiveness, grace, compassion, love to every version of yourself that has existed. For me, it's not about becoming some holier-than-thou, morally aligned enlightened, Jesus-like being. For me, my goal is always, how do I exist as a human being who doesn't hate herself? That's all I'm trying to do. And while I can actively work on loving the version of myself that exists right now, If I do not have the capacity to remember myself with love, with forgiveness, with grace and compassion, the work that I'm doing in my current world of trying to love myself is not going to stick because there are entire communities of versions of myself that remember, that know what it feels like to have me hate them, to have me talk shit about them, to have me be embarrassed or disgusted or judge the fact that they existed. And In doing the self-love work, in doing this shadow work of bringing love and compassion and forgiveness to the former versions of yourself and to your present day version of yourself, you are actively doing future work because if you in your present now moment are able to declare that you no longer want to hate yourself, you are sending a message to your future self that this is something that you currently believe in. This is something that you are currently working towards. And so if you can imagine it, imagine yourself five years from now. And if you would want that version of you who is existing five years from now to recall your existence in your present now moment and Honestly, would you want that future version of yourself to fucking hate your guts right now to look back? Like when I think about it, I'm like, do I want my 40 year old version of myself to remember my 33 year old version and be like, oh, she was a fucking idiot. I don't know what her trip was. I don't know what her deal was, but she was so lost. Like what good does that do for my current self? Or my future self? Are we not just keeping ourselves stuck in this loop that is continually condemning us to hell? Are we not acting as the own Satan figure in our own life? Are we not 
aligning ourselves with the violent energies in the world, with the self-destructive energies in the world, when we are accepting the fact that in five years, it's okay if we hate ourselves. But the beautiful thing is, is that whether we decide to love ourselves right now or decide to hate ourselves right now, those decisions are our decisions that we get to make consciously. And for me personally, I just stopped finding value in hating myself because I know where that road leads. I literally found out where that road leads. It leads to me standing on a ledge, staring into the abyss of eternity and deciding to choose eternity over my material, physical 3D existence. And while I've contemplated that choice many different times in my existence here as an earth being, I'm honestly not interested in playing that game anymore because I feel like I have run that game into the ground. I feel like I have played that character literally to death. And so I am interested in playing as a different type of character. And the character that I'm interested in playing as is the one who actually wants to be here, the one who wants to stay alive and wants to figure out a way for her life to feel less traumatic. While I'm fully conscious that in this material 3D world, horrible things happen. People die. People get sick. Accidents happen. I also know that in this world, there are opportunities to get glimpses of the divine, to step into beauty, to wake up in gratitude, to live life looking for humor and joy and silly stuff to just make our time here on earth that much more pleasurable for us. Like in doing the work to bring unity to my internal system, calling aspects of myself home to myself and not being afraid. There is nothing to be afraid of inside of you. In not being afraid of any shadow that exists in me, whether it's a light shadow or a dark shadow, I am every day learning how to live with balance, in harmony, in unity, internally. So in the words of my favorite shadow wizards, do not be afraid, for I guess there's a Slim Shady in all of us. Fuck it. Let's all stand up. I love you all so much for listening. This is a wild journey, I know, and I'm so stoked that you're on this ride with me. Chris Sanchez, you are everything. And if you want to continue this conversation, please message me, follow me on Instagram at Mental Magic Podcast with a period after each word. And loves know that we're literally all in this together. I would not exist, I could not exist if you did not exist and vice versa. We're here for one another. So let's invite one another home. Keep going and I love you. Bye.